This is a disclaimer for enough stopping the mental health stigma. Suicide is a very sensitive topic to discuss for many and can trigger some intense emotion for some. If you're experiencing a mental health emergency, please call 911 or go to your local emergency room. Welcome back to Enough, the podcast. We're focused on breaking up the mental health stigma. Today we are joined by Jake, and Jake is the founder of the 988 Initiative. Jake, what is the 988 Initiative? So the 988 Initiative is a nonprofit organization that's looking to, our, our saying is, we're looking to create conversations around mental health and suicide prevention. Uh, we're doing that in a variety of ways like in the communities that I care about a lot, uh, especially the athletic and youth communities uh, that I'm most connected to. So how do you have those conversations with those communities? Yeah. So what our organization has to kind of like break into those communities, we have stickers, patches, and banners. uh, And what we do is approach different organizations, uh, different communities and say, Hey, here's what we have available. Here's kind of the message behind our organization and our mission, again, of, of creating those conversations. And the idea with those different visuals is that when people see, for instance, a sticker on a helmet, they'll go and they'll ask, like, one, the person wearing the sticker is then aware of what that number means. And then the people that see that sticker on the helmet can go back and ask questions either to the athlete that's wearing the sticker or to Google or to their parents uh, and say, hey, like, what is 988? How can I access it? And that not only makes them more knowledgeable on 988, but also opens up an avenue for people to discuss the topics that come along with 988 and what 988 means. So naturally, with it being the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline number, the topics of mental health and suicide prevention are going to come up in a conversation. So if a parent and child were to have a discussion, okay, what is 988? How can I access it? At that same time, there would also be an opportunity and an environment where they could talk about mental health as a whole on a more broader like uh, perspective, I guess. That makes a lot of sense. So what is 988 then? So 988 is the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline number. Uh, it can be accessed through now through any phone uh, as of July 16th, 2022. <clears throat> the number went active nationwide on all carriers, um, on all cell phones, all landlines. Um, and what happens is you call 988 and you are able to speak 24-7 to a trained counselor that knows how to handle uh, situations of mental health crises. And the hope also is that you are... So when you call 988, you're redirected to different centers around the country based on your area code. So for example, like Cincinnati is 513, you would be directed to call centers that are as close as possible to your 513 area code. Because what happens then is the people you're talking to are not only aware of how to handle the situation in the moment, they're also aware of the resources that are available in the area that you can access beyond just that phone call. That's awesome. So why was there a need to transition away from like the old numbers? So I think there was a transition away because the old number was 10 digits and 
10 digits in a situation of emergency. Imagine you have like a life threatening emergency and you're going to call 911, but instead 911 was a 10 digit number that you had to remember. Right. It discourages people from accessing it. And it also makes the number a lot less prevalent in the media. I think 988, similar to 911, has somewhat of like a ring to it. Uh, it's a lot more memorable than a 10 digit 1 800 number. And I think there's also a sense of, of comfortability that comes with a three digit number than the idea of like a 1 800. Often we associate 1 800 with like a business or like a company, whereas 988 and because of its similarity to 911, we can associate with getting help. Gotcha. Now, looking at the awareness and that your campaign and your initiative to, to spread awareness, have you talked to people that have called 988 before? Yeah, so I have, and I've actually, I've called it myself just to kind of see like, okay, how does this, how does this work? Just so that like when I talk to other people that may have questions, I have an understanding of like, okay, here's how I'm redirected. Um, Tanya, I believe that you also um you've also called the number like we've called the number to see like what is the process and then i have also talked to a couple people that have accessed this resource and they said that um like overall it's helpful especially the idea that they can give you resources that are available outside of like the idea that it's something beyond the phone call there's help beyond just the one-time call uh in an emergency situation that's a good point yeah, I decided this week to call. I was just like, I don't have an emergency. I'm completely safe. I just want to understand how this works. And I had a pretty good conversation with the person who answered the phone, and he broke it down for me. My phone call went to Hamilton County, and he broke it down for me that, you know, this is a number that you can call. And not necessarily, you know, you don't have to be suicidal. You, If you're just struggling with any mental health and they will – any mental health issue – you can call and they will direct you to places to go in your community. That's awesome. So mm -hmm. I really like the localized community resources mm -hmm. instead of it just being like an emergency hotline. So I know that there is some negative publicity going into it because like the cops are going to come or they're going to arrest you if you're feeling if you're feeling suicidal. Has that been your case from from your information about the tool? Yeah. So so based on like research and articles that we've read, it's been found that only about five. Five to ten percent of emergency calls to nine eight eight result in some sort of like a emergency police intervention, uh, and the only reason for that intervention, the phrasing is if you pose an immediate danger to yourself or others. So if you're calling for consultation, ninety to ninety five percent of the calls are not going to end with any sort of police intervention. Mm -hmm. uh, in comparison to calling a number like nine one one where people, where the caller that you're talking to is not trained to handle the situation, the 911 response is going to be, okay, let's send emergency responders. It's not going to be, okay, how can we help this person and try to re resolve the situation over the phone, which is something that the counselors through the 988 number are able to do. Now they could send someone like Mobile Crisis, who is a, you know, a task force of mental health trained professionals that would come out and assess the situation further, but that's not the police. That makes sense. That makes a lot of sense. Now, Jake, how old are you? How old am I? Is that the question? Yeah. Uh, I turned 18 in June. So I'm, I'm currently a freshman at the university of Southern California. 
and you've already started a nonprofit. Yeah. You're pretty incredible. <laughs> I get that a lot. So what inspired you to do this versus like make a restaurant or another nonprofit? <laughs> yeah. So I'll just kind of give like the like basic rundown. Um, so of like how I got involved in mental health and kind of like why I chose this specific sector of it. There's a lot of different aspects that go into mental health support and suicide prevention as a whole. And we're kind of working into like a specific path of it. So I think it's important to, for me to explain like why specifically are we called the 988 initiative versus any other name related to mental health. So as a freshman in high school, I was the main character in a film called Chance the Movie. Uh, it was a, a film shot about an hour and 15 minutes, hour and a half away from my house. Uh, I live in, or I lived in, now I live in California, but lived in Cincinnati, Ohio. Uh, and it was filmed about an hour and a half east of my home. And it revolved around the true story of a boy named Chance Smith, who, similar to myself, grew up loving baseball. Uh, it's a sport that I've played and been heavily involved in since the age of four. Uh, and his story was kind of the same. Um, so I played the middle-aged role, which was primarily focused on developing his baseball life. Uh, while also hinting at like what was to come later on. Um, and then there was a 17 year old role, like 16, 17 year old role, um, where unfortunately chance became caught up in, in high school and relationship drama. In addition to some miscommunication over the phone between him, his girlfriend and a friend of theirs. Uh, and that ultimately led to his decision to take his own life, uh, as a result of the situation that he was stuck in. So or that he felt stuck in, not necessarily that he was stuck in. Uh, so that was kind of the introduction for me into the world of mental health, getting to talk to people that were on set, uh, as well as his family, and kind of get an idea of the impact that one person's life and end of life can have on a community and on a family. Uh, that was very eye-opening to me. So then into high school, during my freshman and sophomore years, I did a little bit with mental health. Uh, I was involved a little bit within like some high school initiatives. And I also did some like peer tutoring, like one-on-one -on -one tutoring, which also leads into then conversations outside of academics uh, related to like ongoing support uh, in certain situations. Um, and then my junior year in December of 2020, uh, my cousin took his life at the age of 14. So that brought like, it's one thing to see the impact of Chance Smith's death, like on his family and friends years and years later. It's a whole nother thing to see the impact of someone's passing, especially someone so young uh, on my own family and on myself and kind of like live through that moment and those emotions and those feelings. It, it's far more than just one moment. It's, it's long lasting. Uh, it has a long-term impact on, on individuals and on communities and families. So to experience that firsthand brought it a lot closer to home for me. And at that point, like once I had time to process the emotions of that event um, and kind of work through and, and clear my mind, it was like, okay, I've now had two major events in my life that have revolved around mental health and suicide prevention what more is there that I can do outside of just like a high school club 
or like one-on-one tutoring? How can I make an impact on, on one community or multiple communities on a larger scale? So I was looking for a couple ways to do that. Um, I'll, I'll touch back on this later, but my junior year, I sent a proposal to the Cincinnati Reds saying, Hey, like, would you consider doing a mental health awareness game, like a mental health awareness day as part of your season schedule? Um, talked to them a little bit, didn't get a whole lot of response out of them in that moment. It was just kind of like, yeah, we'll think about it. Thanks for bringing it up. Um, and then in October of this past year, so October, 2021, basically a year ago, um, I got a letter in the mail from Verizon saying, Hey, here, like basically explaining what 988 was and stating that at that moment it was active on Verizon, like for anyone that was on Verizon's like carrier network. So although the number itself became fully active nationwide in 2022 on July 16th, it was available to 99% of mobile carrier users for months beforehand. Um, I think that was something that was kind of lost in the communication of the number. Um, but that's somewhat besides the point. So got this letter in the mail from Verizon. I looked around online, talked to people that were involved in the mental health community. And the general consensus was not only did a lot of people not understand or know what 988 was, very, it was also extremely difficult to find information on it and on its activation through Google, which I thought was very surprising because the number itself was passed through legislation in 2020. And we were basically a year and a half past that like legislation passing. And the number was going active within basically seven or eight months of when I had like really started to engage and look into it. So to see that it was still that difficult to find information on it, I felt like that was something that that I could change or improve. So that's kind of how I was directed towards 988 over any other aspect of mental health. Uh, so then in I was extremely busy with college applications and exams and schoolwork as a whole, plus baseball. Uh, until like December of my senior year. And then once first semester ended, it was kind of like second semester, senior year, uh, kind of done all that I can at this point. I can now focus on things that I care about more. Uh, So came back from winter break. And in January, my brother, his name is Zach. uh, My brother and I designed a logo that we still use to this day. I don't know if you yeah, oh, it's everywhere in this office. I can look at like three different versions of it right now. Right. I'm surprised you opened that letter from uh, Verizon. Yeah, I know. I'm, I'm stuck on that. I said there's. I can see your logo everywhere in this office right now. It's like on every counter space. So it's it's working. <laughs> yeah. Um, so in January, my brother and I designed this logo and we said, OK, what like what community can we target first? And the community that immediately came to my mind was the athletic one. It's again, like I said, I've been heavily connected to it through baseball and other sports since the age of four. Uh, I have a lot of connections within it, both at the player level and like coach and administrator level. 
So at that point, we said, okay, how can we get our this number visible in the athletic community? And our first answer was patches. So the idea was like a patch could go on the sleeve of a uniform, be sewn on. And then again, kind of like I touched on earlier, like people would see the number, talk about it and open up conversations beyond just the three digit 988 lifeline number. And then that expanded into stickers because stickers are a little like more convenient, a little more affordable for organizations and there's also certain organizations you simply can't sew patches onto their like uniform style, like based on the material that it is. So stickers provided us with a lot more versatility and stickers can go on a bunch of different surfaces. Like you guys said, like you're looking around now and they're on countertops. Like it's, you can be, you can put them in a lot of different places. Like I have one on the back of my phone. So the stickers provided us with a, a, a little more flexibility in where our, the number could be visible. And again, seeing it, bringing it back to the people that you care about, talking about it and opening up a conversation about mental health. And then one idea that we got was, okay, we have the number visible through stickers and patches, but similar to my experience, like what if it's difficult for someone to find information on the number? So we, through a partnership with One in Five, which is a Cincinnati organization that does a lot of work within uh, specifically like the youth community of Cincinnati in partnership with them and their graphic designer, we created a banner design that has our 988 logo in the middle, but then above it says national suicide prevention lifeline. And below it, it tells you the activation date, like the fact that you can text or call it and then has one in five's link, like one in five's logo and website and our website in the bottom right corner. And the idea behind that is those can get put up on athletic facility walls or fences or really any, again, any surface that organizations want to put them on. And when people see the sticker on the back of a helmet or the patch on the side of a uniform or, or anywhere, they then look to the fence and they see that same black and white logo on a banner that explains exactly what 988 is and how to access it. So it makes that information a lot more accessible without people having to look it up through Google or go like ask 17 questions about it to, to other people. So that's kind of been the development of our, our organization from pretty much beginning to end. Um, obviously there's a lot more that's gone on since like the creation of those items, a lot of different like partnerships. Um, but that's kind of, I would say that's a, a long-winded but kind of basic rundown of, of how this organization started. Now, looking at, I have two questions. Both are the same question, but a different angle. What's next for this initiative? Yeah, so I think right now we're laying like base plans, kind of like almost blueprints for different organizations. So we're working with uh, a variety of organizations in Cincinnati right now on like creating events around mental health and involving like our organization and the prevalence of 988 in those events. And then our, our goal from here is to take that same blueprint and be able to propose it on a much wider scale to a lot of different schools throughout the country. Uh, we've 
gained traction and we've gotten orders from states ranging from Massachusetts to, to Utah to Tennessee was the most recent one. So in terms of national outreach, that that's not it's not that we're not focused nationally. It's that we're trying to establish a blueprint specifically for events here and then looking to expand from there. But I, I think in addition to the high school level, uh, which has kind of been a, a primary focus of our energy right now, I think there's a, a lot of untapped potential at the collegiate and professional levels. Um, going back to the, I mentioned earlier that I had proposed a mental health awareness day to the Cincinnati Reds as a junior. Um, funnily enough, they they decided to establish the mental health awareness game and the suicide prevention game this year uh, for the first year. And that didn't really have much to do with me, I don't believe, but our organization was invited as one of the organizations being recognized in Cincinnati uh, for our efforts in the mental health and suicide prevention spheres. So kind of seeing that come full circle was, I guess, rewarding, but also like, it's interesting to see how things come back to you. So I think there's a lot of space still within the collegiate and professional level to create more events like that because these schools and these teams have huge platforms, social media, TV, um, just in general, there's a lot of influence that these organizations can have. And if they can use that influence to encourage people to speak up and be more comfortable about their struggles, I think that's something that, that they should definitely pursue. So looking to have more organizations establish events similar to the Cincinnati Reds, um, possibly looking to get our logo and our like stickers onto collegiate and professional helmets. Um, I think that's, it's a lofty goal, but I think it's an accomplishable one, especially if we scale up out of what we've already kind of gathered together so far. All right. You're 18 years old. You wrote a letter to the Cincinnati Reds when you were 16 years old. You made a nonprofit at 17 or 18 years old. What's next for you? I mean, like, when are you running for president? I was going to ask that. Like, dang, dude. Yeah. So, like I said, I'm a freshman at USC right now. Um, Graduating tomorrow. (laughs) You're graduating tomorrow, Tanya said. (laughs) I said you're going to graduate early tomorrow. Yeah, yeah. Um, I am in the business school here and within the business school, you like choose an emphasis that you want to study. So my plan emphasis is finance and my career goal, like right after college is investment banking. Um, and then possibly post investment, like investment banking hours and the grind is kind of ridiculous. Um, so kind of a lot of people end up working out like outside of investment banking after a couple of years. So possibly long-term more so like wealth and investment management, possibly uh, like hedge funds, uh, private equity, something along those lines within the world of finance. I think are my sort of long-term goals, I would say short-term my, like it's been a very social campus so far. So kind of, looking it is a very competitive and and well-regarded school so looking to like continue maintaining that balance between academics and social life it's something that i haven't really struggled with 
here so far, nor in the past. Um, but just making sure that I don't lose sight of like the things that I care about beyond school. So whether that's like working out or spending time with friends or just taking time to like watch a documentary that I'm interested about, like finding time to do things that I care about doing while also still like excelling academically and professionally. That's awesome. That's a great answer. So last question, I think we're kind of rolling off. So thank you so much for your time. I really appreciate you taking some time to be on this podcast episode. So is Bed Bath & Beyond a bad pick then for investment <laughs> banking right now? Is is what Bed Bath & Beyond? Is it a bad pick you think, or is it time to get back into it? Well, so it was kind of funny. There's a kid here at USC. I don't know if you saw the article or not, but he somehow managed, well, first of all, he was able to get together $25 million in funding from family yeah. and friends. Yeah. So, so pocket he came from enough of a background to, to garner together $25 million. Um, and then threw it all into Bed Bath and Beyond and made, I think upwards of a hundred million dollars in the span of like a couple months. So, but it seems like I'm not super familiar with it. That's pretty much the only uh, reason wait, I wait. know. We'll wait. About... I won't ask for financial advice in a mental health podcast. That's fine. <laughs> um but if you give me a couple of weeks I, i'll be able to tell you more about home depot in a little <laughs> okay oh, home depot right. Linux. Cool. i'm about it sounds well, good jake thank you so much we're doing much like for... a stock analysis of it in one of my clubs so oh, that'll be fun <laughs> yeah but so thanks. i'll be able to tell you about home depot in a little bit i guess cool deal we'll set up that call now it'll be great but jake <laughs> yeah, thank you yeah. so much for your time seriously man you're amazing and thank you for everything you've done for the NIA initiative and, and just you yourself and spreading awareness thank you very much i appreciate your guys' time and appreciate all that you're doing for this community as well mm-hmm.